Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. You are likely facing a decision that you do not know whether to go to the left or to the right. Holy Ghost, speak. Jesus. It is important for you to understand that you need the Lord to know where to go. If you go to the left, it may be destruction. It may have consequences for generations. Not just yourself. If you go to the left, there may be more trouble. More trouble that you didn't ask for. That's why you need the Lord. This journey is long, saints. And sometimes when you get to that fork, Lord knows you need a guide. You need a guide. And your mind is not the guide you want. Your homies ain't the guide you want. Your life coach ain't the guide you want. They can only give you suggestions. You need the truth. Hallelujah, Lord. Well, let me get started. Uh, thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm going to go through three verses, I mean, three um, parts of Scripture. They're all in John. Um, we'll begin at John 9, uh, 1 through 3. Then John 10, 9 through 10. Then John 11, 20 through 26. Lord have mercy. Have your way, God. Have your way. When you're at John 9, say amen. I hear you. John 9, 1 through 3 reads, as he was passing by, he saw, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. John 10, 9 through 10. When you're there, say amen. Amen. And it reads, I am the gate. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. But a thief comes only 
to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come so that they may have a life and have it in abundance. John 11, I'm going to actually do an emphasis just on 23 through 26 rather than 20 through 26. So John 11, 23 through 26, when you're there, say amen. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. You see this thing called life? The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I want to come to you with, a, with three words. Come to life. Come to life. Father God, we just thank you for this time in your presence. Holy Ghost, have your way. Fill me afresh that I may speak the words that you desire. Tame my mind that I may say the things that will encourage your people. May the hearers open their ears to hear what you have to say to them. Thank you, Lord, that these are your people and you are beckoning them to come to life. Thank you, Lord, for this time in your presence and we honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. From the very beginning, God wanted us to live abundant lives under his guidance and protection. We humans have done an astoundingly excellent job at messing that up. Yet God's plan is still to lead his people back to a place where they are tapped into his, into his eternality and his presence, being with him and in him. But I know that living can get rough. We talked about how vital living by faith is, but what about those trying to figure out this thing called life before they understand faith? Living is to many just surviving a day. There is no, eternal, no, no eternity in the mind or, or, or even others. So there is no eternity in mind it's just now for them. They only believe that this is the day I'll live and, and eat and I hopefully I will not die this day. Because of our greed and unassuming sinful nature, it became easier for people to throw away lives. We see it in our culture. I'll give you an example. You ever seen somebody on social media? Somebody post their plight on social media. And you see a bunch of sad emojis and a bunch of hugging emojis, you know what I'm saying? Just, we're going to hug you up, you know, care. I think that's what the emoji means, is care when you see the, 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 the thing hugging the, the heart. Um, and then you see the little tear, and that's a sad face, you know, sad about something. And then two seconds later, there's a dog flipping, and they're laughing out loud. And they do that for hours. It's not normal. 
what's our normal way to process life? To go immediately from being sad and seconds later to be laughing. Something to consider. Life for many only means preservation of their own self at all costs. And that definition of life has, life has left a lot of Christians dead in the water as they imitate the world. It seems the pandemic has left us with another endemic. Christians living lives, but not truly being alive in Christ. So today I want to ask you about your life in the body of Christ. If it was dying, do you believe those drawing those dry bones could live again? Do you believe you can, you can have an abundant life? Do you believe in the power of Christ's resurrecting power? Simply put, I'm here today to ask you, and well, actually here to say to you, come to life. This is a double entendre. Rap people know what this means. <laughs> uh, Double entendres is a phrase that means two things in one. Okay? So I'm saying you come to life in this manner. Come to life and lay down the dead things that have been trying to destroy you. And come to life, who is the person and object of your faith, Jesus. This is important because when Jesus said he came to give us life, he was promising us a twofold thing, a new life now and a life after. Then he said in John 10, 10, he would give us a life more abundantly. Now, I know that this has been abused by many. One just came out and professed it, praise Jesus, before the world. I'm, I'm thankful that he did. But the abundance that People were looking for is not just monetary gain and cars and trucks and, and women and men. Let's keep it real. Um, <laughs> it's not just that. It's not just uh, going to your bank account and having extra, extra cheddar. It's not um, being able to go on excursions. Um, it's not being able to travel the world. Abundance in the Greek was actually mathematical. It dealt with surplus. But it was a super added quality to something. And it also meant to be all around. So if you have an abundant life, the abundant life doesn't stop, don't stop at you. But it affects the things set around you. It's an all around thing. It's not just for you. It's very important for you to understand the value of being brought to life, and why if you are dead to sin, why you should come to life. So let's look at a couple of reasons why coming to life is so important for us in the world we're currently in. I only have two points. The first one, you begin seeing sin for what it is. In John 11, we encountered the death, of, um, the death and resurrection of Lazarus. During this event, once confronted with the mourning and wailing and the sting of death against those he loves, Jesus has a somewhat different reaction to the people's mourning. He's not just getting emotional and begins crying because they were. In verse 33 
in verse 38, it says of Jesus, he was angry in his spirit. Now, I was stuck there. So what does that mean, to be angry in your spirit at something? So once again, upon further investigation, this particular Greek word was commonly used in the ancient world to signify a loud, incoherent noise. And its proper use appears to be that of a snorting of a horse. You ever heard a horse? Right? It's not just him being filled with grief for the mourning and sorrow he saw. It was also to show indignation from the harm caused by Satan's kingdom and death. It wasn't just being sad. It was Jesus being angry. He knew we were helpless to this tyrannical regime of destruction. So in this moment, Jesus gave us a macro view of what his assignment was to give us life. He has come to give us life and to usurp the tyranny of death. When you look at the scripture, where Bishop actually read the whole thing, I only wanted him to read the 27. I was like, well, Holy Ghost, do your work. <laughs> it, was read, it was read in your hearing. So in the scripture, you saw Jesus come to Bethany and Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. He's been dead for four days when he arrived. Christ tells, um, tells Martha, your brother will live again. Martha is thinking about time being gone for Lazarus. She said, I know, Lord, that he'll come back in the day of resurrection. That's far away from now. Jesus had to correct her that this time was now. I am the resurrection. I can bring him back to life right now. Do you believe this? He asked her. Do you believe this? So in Jesus, um, let me go back. And our risen Savior went to be crucified the most inhumane, cruel way possible. And don't get it twisted. The cross was designed for 100% efficiency. Nobody lived coming off that cross. They all died. There's a track record on why they kept using it for like a couple hundred years. The Persians used one pole. The Assyrians used a sharp pole. We saw that in Esther. Esther with the Persians, the Persians would impale you. That was a form of crucifixion. That was the very first form of crucifixion. Then the Romans took that concept and they perfected it. And they said, well, if we impale them, we know they'll die, but that's too quick. It's way too quick. Let's make them suffer. So they made the cross format. Some of them was just on a beam. If they were on a beam, their hands were nailed together above their head and their feet below. On the cross, as we all know, he was stretched out, right? The effective nature of this torture was so good that it translated to multiple kingdoms. Why do you think the Lord chose the time of the Romans? for sin to have its correct punishment 
You ever process that? Crucifixion is one of the worst ways to suffer and die. God allowed this end time for Christ to be there, to be crucified, so that your sin and my sin would be punished effectively. That's why he paid the full penalty. His, his life, he gave his life, the life giver gave his life for our life. And he allowed himself to go through the full torture. Nails in his wrist, hands, whichever way you want to say, I think it was normally like right here at the intersection at the wrist because the meat held it up. Then you had the feet propped up, nailed through the feet. And they did that because when you're on the cross, you slide. You can never feel comfortable. The weight keeps coming. The gravity keeps working. So you keep sliding down. And I got endured that because he saw sin for what it was. It destroys us. When you come to life, you see that there's no such thing as a play play sin. Sin is sin. And sin kills. There's no such thing as a big sin. There's no such thing as a small sin. There's just sin. There's just sin. And if I God had to go to the cross in this manner for sin, how in the world can you entertain it? Come to life. Come to life. Come to life. Why is this important? When you come to life, death loses its sting. He has brought you to life in the midst of death and despair. Also, sin looks like sin, and you know what happens when you indulge. It's not cute, like I was saying earlier. It's not cute. Sin is not something you can wear and take off without it leaving a stink on you. You understand the effects of these deadly things, and like your Savior, indignant anger rises in you against the sin and death in creation, and you treat them like the menaces that they are. When your eyes open to new life, your perspective changes as well. The more you eat the bread of life, the more he tastes sweet, and the more you crave it. You grow a fonder appreciation for what you know you could have. Just consider the prodigal son and his journey. He left and thought living, man, he, was on, he left and thought he could just live in the way he wanted to live. It wasn't until he contrasted that with his living, well, he contrasted his living and about to eat pig feed. And then he, it just, like a light bulb, my daddy, man, even my daddy's servants, they eat like this. Don't allow the world to tell you that death is better than living. We must remember as Christ warned us, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Understand the motive behind your enemy should keep you alert. If you knew someone was jacking cars at your job, would you leave your doors unlocked with the keys in the ignition? Just saying. 
Being alert and submissive to the Holy Spirit keeps you from choosing slavery to sin again and again and again. The old snares and tricks aren't as attractive as they used to be. Come to life and see what is right and wrong. Choose life and not death. And also, do not allow the sin of ungratefulness to creep in your mind and into your actions. It poisons everything it touches and is an egregious sin committed by believers to a given and loving God. Our Savior gave all he had to free us from sin. How could we turn around and say his life isn't enough to bring us back to life? Don't be like the Israelites that forgot the miracles of God that got them to the Red Sea, a step away from their total freedom from Egyptian rule. They said it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Don't ever downcast the life Christ has given to you. Don't trade the journey with Christ through rough places or shackles. Choose life. Point number two. When you choose life, when you come to life, you become someone's antidote. Ever ask God why you suffered in ways that seemed unbearable? Maybe your life was hard and filled with trauma and grief. But even considering all that, he called you to come to life anyway. So that means whatever you have faced in your life so far was not just for you. It was for us. Your revelation in your suffering will become an antidote to the venomous bites from this cruel world. When you become an antidote, you are willing to remove the venom from the world. I'll give you a couple of examples. In John 9, it gives us the account of the man born blind. Many thought he was cursed and left to die as a beggar, but Christ saw differently. In verse 3, Jesus explained that the reason this man was born this way is so that God's works might be displayed in him. After being healed, the man came to others that grew up around him that knew he was blind since birth, and it amazed them. So much so, they asked, who is this man that healed you? In that moment in your life, when Christ has healed you, be ready to give an answer to those. Amen? Have you ever considered that maybe you came from where you came from so that God can express his glory to others that remember what you used to do, what you used to say? what you used to be. God has strategically called you to life where you are so that he may be able to pour into you his spirit so that you reach those around you. As we said earlier, he promised the abundant life that touches all things around you. Consider some examples of people who came to life at the right moment in time. Consider Moses. Moses was supposed to die by the venomous bite of Pharaoh. They put him in a basket and let him go down water to save him. He ended up in the Pharaoh's home, the very enemy that was trying to kill him. Then he left, 
And in turn, he became the one to take the millions of Israelites and pass them through water, just as he did when he was a child. Consider Joseph. Joseph was betrayed by his brethren. Literally, they try. I mean, I always think they try to kill him first before they try to sell him. Now, he ain't dead. Sell him. <laughs> I think that's probably like, that's just me. But he was sold into slavery by his brothers, put into a nation that at this time was going through a lot of, if you look at Egyptian history and you go back to like the 15th dynasty, there's a dynasty called the Hyksos that took over. It was an upheaval because the Hyksos were like, they called them Asiatics, meaning they came from the East, right? So Joseph was captured at the right time. It's crazy as it might sound. He was captured at the right time, brought into Egypt, suffered in multiple places, accused in Egypt. He was supposed to be put to death for what Potiphar's wife did to him, like tried to blame him for. It's a death sentence. I think Potiphar knew better. He probably knew his wife. Uh, That's a whole other sermon. (laughs) You know, but then he, you know, went into another jail again. They they discover his gifts of administration. And then he ends up being the one, the antidote for a famine. The same one that was cast away by his own family was the same one to open the doors to save his family, right? How about Esther? Her people want to bring her being destroyed by the Persian Empire. But she remained faithful. And and what's real cool about the book of Esther is not nary a mention of the name God. But my goodness, it's, it's like you... It's like powdered sugar. It's on everything in Esther. You don't even need to hear the word God to see that God is at work. But because of her faithfulness to a mad king at that, one of the craziest kings in existence, her people were protected. And on top of that, the enemies that had eluded the Israelites for almost a thousand years was destroyed. That's why they do festivals. Consider Saul, the Tarsus, the persecutor, the beater of Christians, who went, went out of his way, actually, to beat up Christians. <laughs> he drove the church like, yeah, I'm going to get you. This man rolled up on any, he's like, they, they over there? I'm going to go over there real quick. Give me an eat it. And by three guards, we'll take care of this. That man became the antidote to the very thing he used to do. He went from being the persecutor of the Christians to being the defender of the Christians. Amen? Because of the Lord's faithful work in bringing them to life, they were able to not only live their lives, but they positively affected many other lives. When considering the word antidote, I thought of an antivenom and how we get treatment for snake venom. An animal, usually a horse, 
must be injected with this venom in small doses. Hopefully survive, okay? Snake venom ain't nothing to mess with. Hopefully survive the pain of the venom and heals and develops antibodies. And then they take the antibodies from the horse, process it and synthesize it, and make it into an anti-venom. You don't hear the Lord speak? In the same way, the pain, the hurt, the deception, the health issues, the mental stress, the anguish, the pain of loss that we have survived, the neglect, the shame we have suffered. After God brings us to life, he synthesizes that into an antidote for others to be healed. You are the anti-venom. Anti-venoms attack venom. They do not wait. They go to the venom. What is compelling you to go? This Holy Ghost, this ain't even on paper no more. What is compelling you to go? What is the thing that you have survived? That you survived? That you understand intimately that people are suffering with. What is it? Come to life. Become the anti-venom. Save those that are dying from this venom all around you. Do not be afraid. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Do not be afraid to be the anti-venom. Your purpose in being called to life is to make sure that others may have life. Amen? Fear is not a part of this for us. Remove the shame and live. When you choose to follow God, everything won't magically become better. But over time, walking with him and serving him, you begin to see the impact your faithful living can have inside of you, in the places that you are, and the places you will go. Choosing to faithfully live produces opportunities to grow in endurance. As James said in James 1, 2 through 4, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Living things do not lie with dead things. Dead things offend the senses of the alert, and you will not recklessly play with something that will cause you harm. Your talent, your passion, and your gifts can be an antidote to someone suffering. Your temperament and your patience can also be an antidote. If tempered by Holy Spirit and you are willing, your life can change the lives of many. Remember that one in God's hand is more than enough. If y'all follow me on Facebook, y'all know I'm gardening. And I love it. I failed for two years, let's be real with y'all. Failed for two years. Lots of things died. It was terrible. 
But while I was gardening, I found one plant that I forgot about that was shriveled up against the fence. And it was still somewhat alive. And I was like, okay, great. Let me go ahead and grab this and, and do something with it. The seeds for this particular plant are rare. I can't buy them again. So I only have this one plant. This one plant that was in the corner shriveled up and dead. At least I thought it was. And I put time into it and kept working at it until it came back to life. I had to cut away the dead molded parts, the hard callous pieces, the blighted leaves, and clean the debris from around the roots. But after repotting and giving it some fertilizer, some fresh soil, some Epsom salt, and some water, in time, it finally came back to life. When it did, that one plant became three plants. And all of them grew enough for a few gallon bags of produce to feed my family. Listen, in the same manner, Holy Spirit refuses to give up on you. You may be in a dry place wondering if your bones can still live. But when God cares for you, even the dead things in your life can come back to life. He will prune you, repot you, give you new soil and fertilizer, and water you with his word to see you shed the dead callous shell and come back to life. This is what our Lord and Savior wants for us. He said he is the resurrection and the life. He gives life and is life. Do you believe it? Hallelujah. Father God, I've done what you told me to. Bless your word. May it seep into the hearts of your people. You be glorified in this moment, Father. For those that may feel that they have grown callous and cold and dead to things that they should be alive to, Holy Spirit, do your work. If they are willing, Lord, if they are willing, do your work. We pray for our willingness to be with you, our willingness to want to serve you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this opportunity to be able to share this word with your people today. Help us all come back to life. Every gift that we let die, come back to life. Breathe your breath on those gifts, those passions, those talents. Breathe on them, Father. Give us fresh inspiration. Bring us back to life so that we may be able to do what you desire for us to do in this time that you have chosen for us to be in. You strategically placed us where we are right now. In 2022, you allowed us to grow through multiple decades to be here today. Help us to see that our births were not mistakes. Help us to see that you calling us was not a mistake, 
Help us to see that you desire for us to live and to have life and that you want us to have a life that affects everything around us, Father. Have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray the Lord um, bless you with this word today. It, called, it made me think a lot about certain things that I have allowed to die. This word wasn't just for you, it was for me. It's personal. It's easier, it's far easier to say to yourself, don't do, than it is for you to say, I will go. A lot of people who are saved when they were younger probably on fire and wonderful. Life smacked them in the face, knocked a tooth out. And they said, I ain't fighting no more. But you need to get back up and fight. See, this faith is not about you having it easy. That's right, there. This faith ain't about it being easy. This faith is a fight. When Christ was standing in front of Lazarus' tomb, he was getting ready to fight. They say he was snorting. Like, like, no, like, like, I don't know if you've seen somebody get so angry that they, they breathe and change. This is what was happening to our Lord, staring at death that took his friend. This is what he wants for you. Come to life. Come to life. It's not cool to come to life. Lots of people like smelling like carcasses. They like smelling like dead things because everybody else smells like dead things. So we see every other message being given to you by social media, by Instagram, Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, all them, websites, TV, movies, all telling you to die, 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 die. I need you to come, die. Don't you come to life. It's hard. Stay dead. Stay with us. Be in the valley of the dry bones. Be shamed and mocked for your death with us together. Let us turn our shame into honor when we know that it's still shame. But God is saying, come to life. Come to life. Do not be so swayed by death talk because it tickles your ear. We were warned about this in the book of Timothy, that there will come a time where people would abandon all of these things that give you life for death. They would rather die because it made them feel good. I already did a sermon on what good means, but it makes them feel good when it's actually killing you. When a heroin needle goes into an arm, it feels good, but it's firing your nerves, frying your nerves, and you have to keep chasing it, keep chasing it. Sexual addiction, same thing. You get into that first one, phenomenal. You're like, I need this to be a little game. And you keep chasing, keep chasing, keep chasing, not knowing that it's killing you. The Lord said, come to life. The Lord said, come to life. 
So if you are here today or online, here's your opportunity to come to life. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the one who gives life, the one who is life, here's your opportunity to come to him and receive life. Repeat after me. Very simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And you rose from the dead. And I believe that you saved me. And I submit myself to you and your kingdom. Now and forever. Well, that brings us to the end of the message for today. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.